Democrat and Republican. This is very nonpartisan, bipartisan. What do you call it when they get together? They're getting togetherness, uh, uh, sin. Um, so they were all agreeing. And you had AOC there. Uh, you know, you had all you had conservatives, Republicans, liberals. You had them all, and they're like, "Can't we just all get along? Because this is a national security issue." of international concern, but also as it applies to the U.S., because, you know, these entities are very curious in our nuclear sites. They even have one that was over one of our nuclear sites. They shut it off, the power, for I don't know how long, nuclear, weaponized. They shut it, the craft shut it off. This is what they're saying. And then was, so that big hype is, well, we need to know what these black projects are um, and you can listen to this. This is all public. This is not conspiracy. This is in your United States government that they are employed by you. We pay their salary, so they're trying to, you know, represent us, and they're trying to get to the facts of what are UFOs, and what are UAPs, and how long have we known about this, and the government needs, the big topic was transparency. We need transparency. We need transparency. Is the government going to be transparent about what they have and what they know? And some of the people that were testifying that were whistleblowers under the new, I think it was the 2020 or 2021 whistleblower protection program, people are now uh, able to come forward with the protection of the United States government. And so they want, they want names, addresses, uh, financial records. They want to see where this stuff is at. And one of the representatives from Missouri, he says, you know, you know the logo of my state. It's the show me state. And I liked his approach because he's like, I'm not buying any of this stuff. <laughs> I'm kind of like a Missouri state person too, even though I'm a native Californian. Uh, like, yeah, show me, show me. All I hear is like, well, yeah, we could talk about this behind closed doors, no photos, no videos. And the stuff that you do see is so blurry anyways. It's so weird. You could do 4K on your telephone but anything that you, that's like extraterrestrial or anomalous or supernatural is like, wait, what? Like the aliens that landed in the backyard of the guy in Las Vegas a couple months ago, they said they were like eight to 10 feet tall. And they like had this one picture, like they're analyzing it. Well, look, like if you kind of look under there, he's kind of, I think, crouching down or <laughs> like, okay, 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 all right. It's like, okay, just come out with it. Now, I'm not dealing with UFOs today, uh, but I will in the, in the near future because, again, I think we're being set up. I really believe that we're being set up. And I think that you need to formulate your own opinion of this. It used to be you were, you were weird if you believed in UFOs. Now it's weird if you don't believe in UFOs because your U.S. government does. And there's agencies in NASA at the Pentagon and DARPA, they're dedicated to extraterrestrial life. The Vatican is training their priests to evangelize and how to baptize aliens and make them Christians. This is how kooky the world has gotten with aliens. And their whole Lucifer telescope that's what in the Arizona, one of the biggest telescopes that it was it was set up purposely to search for extraterrestrial life. SETI the search for extraterrestrial uh, intelligence, thank you. Um, those are those big, you know, 
satellites that are millions and millions of dollars, and their whole thing is just looking for, for evidence and looking for evidence. And uh, so there's a lot of activity on this topic. I wish I wouldn't have to like take time out to, to investigate this topic. I kind of like it anyways. It's kind of fun. But you have to. You have to. Christians need to be informed. And, you know, because our church um, has breached this subject and looked at it from a biblical perspective, we've had some responses online where people have said, yeah, tell us more about that because it's radio silence out there. Um, so we'll get into that subject more, but today we're in Daniel, and I think today you'll find Daniel quite interesting in the direction that we're going to go. The title of the message and the particular passages that we're looking at is God is the God of the future. This is exclusive only to God. One of God's attributes, he's omni-everything, but his, om his omniscience, his all-knowing, he knows about the past because he's there. He knows about the present all over because he's there. And he knows about the future. So God's in every place and time and in every time and place. He's the great I am. So if you look, go to the next slide. If you look with me in Daniel chapter 2, verses 23 through 30, there will only be one passage of scripture today that you have to uh, use your Bible and not the screen. But this swath of scriptures will be up on the screen. So starting in verse 23, I give you praise and worship, O God of my fathers, who have given me wisdom and strength and have made clear, uh, made clear to me what, what we were requesting from you. For you have given us knowledge of the king's business. Remember, the king had this dream, starting in, verses, in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He had night frights. He had insomnia. He was going crazy. He was so scared of the future. He was so unsettled with his dreams. I don't know if you've ever had a nightmare or a bad dream, and you've woken up. And it's just, you know, they're so believable. I've accused my wife of things sometimes. <laughs> I know you did that. And she's done it to me, and it's like, no, that was a dream. You know, that, didn't even, that wasn't even reality. But the, the king is so perturbed by these things that he made a request to everyone on his payroll that was, that was trained in the, the secret occult dark arts, the magicians, all the occultists. He's like, I want you to tell me what my dream was, and then I want you to tell me what the interpretation. They're like, well, king, first tell us the dream, and then we'll give you our interpretation. Like all these like charlatan, palm readers, psychics, horoscope, tea leaf readers, all those types of people. Um, he's like, no, I'll know you're legit if you tell me if you could read my mind, then I know you actually have ability. Like, he was probably thinking, I, you could tell me what your dream is, and I could make up some phony sort of rendition of, uh, you know, the interpretation. So, so everyone is going to be killed, including Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because they were, they were put in this, the school of sorcerers and wizards, and he, he was there, and so they were going to be lumped together with them, but Daniel has to make his case. Like, I don't think I could interpret dreams, but I know God does. For this reason, Daniel went to Arioch. He was kind of the, he was the, the main dude. Of, he was on the assassination hit squad, actually. He was the captain of the, of the Babylonian army. He says, to whom the king had given orders for the destruction of the wise men of Babylon, said to him, do not put to death the wise men of Babylon. Take me in before the king, and I will make it clear to him the sense of the dream. Now, isn't this interesting? where Daniel is saying, 
All these, all these other guys are pagans, they're Gentiles, they worship false gods and lesser gods, not the monotheist God of Israel, which Daniel never bowed the knee to anyone other than the God of the Bible. Yet in grace, in mercy, he's like, please spare them. I think that's very, that shows a lot of character. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't agree with what they believe. He doesn't agree with what they practice. He definitely, he does, he's not equally yoked together with them. Um, you know, but he's basically saying, <laughs> if he's a Republican and they're the, the Democrats, he's like, give them a break, you know. Uh, let, let's preserve their lives. Then Ariad quickly took Daniel, verse 25, and before the king, and said to him, here is a man from among, among the prisoners of Judah who will make clear the king the sense of the dream. The king made uh, an answer and said to Daniel, whose name is Belteshazzar, that was his Babylonian name given to him, but Daniel, the E-L part means of God, he retains that in the book, which is interesting. It's different than Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. But, so they, they named him Belteshar. He said, are you able to make clear to me the dream which I saw and its sense? Go to the next slide. Verse 27, Daniel chapter 2. Then Daniel said in an answer to the king, no wise men or users of secret arts, wonder workers, or readers of signs are able to make clear to the king the secret he is searching for. But there is a God in heaven, the unveiler of secrets, and he has given to King Nebuchadnezzar knowledge of what will take place in the last days. Your dreams and your visions of your head <laughs> and, uh, and on your bed are these. Now, this is risky. Daniel has to have faith that God is revealing to Daniel what was that, that God could actually read someone's mind. Think about it. If he gets this wrong, he's automatically dead. Because the, only the king knows what his dream was. He didn't tell anyone. He didn't write it down. It was all kept inside of him. So, Verse 29, as for you, O king, the thoughts which came to you on your bed were of what will come about after this, and the unveiler of secrets has made clear to you what is to come. As for me, this secret is not made clear to me because of any wisdom which I have more than any other living man, but in order that the sense of the dream may be made clear to the king and that you may have knowledge of the thoughts of your heart. So Daniel is taking a huge leap of faith to, to tell the king what was on his mind. Go to the next slide. And this is just a kind of a summary verse of where I want to kind of make that as the platform for the message today. So verse 29 of Daniel 2. King, as you were lying there in your bed, you began thinking about what might happen in the future. God can tell people about secret things. He has shown you what will happen in the future. Amen. Amen. Something exclusive to God is that his, in his omniscience, one of his attributes is that he knows all things. He knows all things. No other God does. No other entity, not demon, not angel, good or bad, knows the future. This is exclusive territory. Now, let's be careful because this is, an act, this is an attribute of God and not an action. In other words, his foreknowledge is an attribute, it's not an action. Because he knows the future, it doesn't mean he causes all things. 
He's just so far advanced intellectually and supernaturally because he's already there. He already knows what's going to happen. He can curate things to make sure it comes to pass, but he doesn't have to. He allows people with their free will to make their choices, yet even with their free will choices, he still knows what the outcome is, and he's still, he's still there in the future. But the thing that I want to point out is that most people want to know the future. Look at this next, look at this quote on the screen. Anxiety is for the future, depression is for the past, and the Lord Jesus is for faith, for our past, for our present, and for our future. But anxiety is for the future, and depression is for the past. Uh, you know, so a lot of times people will come into my office for counseling, and the number one diagnosis that you could diagnose someone, the number one, not just with me, but within all mental health, and probably in the church, is anxiety. It's the number one. Why is it number one? Because anxiety has this idea that I'm just so fretful, I'm so fearful, I'm so anxious about the future, I just don't know what's going to happen. I'm scared. I'm unsettled. I don't know. Remember Jesus says, hey, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow worries for itself. There's enough problems for today. And so Jesus was trying to keep us present in the moment, live in the present. Because a lot of times when we stress out and we're so anxious about the future, the actual anxiety that we're stressing out about the, the unknown is often more traumatizing and more painful than the actual future itself that you haven't even experienced. Do you know what I'm talking about? You could cause more stress and problems with you physically and emotionally by stressing out about something that hasn't even happened yet just by believing that it's going to happen or worrying about it. And Jesus says, which one of you worrying or having anxiety could add one day to your life, one inch to your life? He, Jesus, he knew that you couldn't do it. So he's like, don't stress out. Don't be anxious for anything. But in all things, through prayer and supplications, and then the peace of God, uh, which passes understanding, will rule your hearts and minds, which is Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. But people want to know the future. Go to the next slide. That is why tarot cards, artificial intelligence, horoscopes, astrology, palm reading, psychics, Ouija birds. Oh, this is what I was trying to bring up. I forgot about this guy that I was telling you about in, um, in Huntington Beach that works in the entertainment industry. He's like, yeah, so we're striking about artificial intelligence. And so I brought up the Senate hearing about um, aliens and stuff like that and UFOs. And I said, ah, I think this is interesting. I asked him his opinion. I said, did you hear that, that Senate hearing? He's like, no, but I, I read about it. I didn't watch the whole thing or hear it, but I read about it. I'm like, isn't that interesting? There's no evidence. They didn't have any photos. They didn't have any, like, and they're talking about non-human uh, non intelligence, NHIs, that we have, that piloted these crafts that were crashed and we recovered. And we, the U.S. government has these aliens. And um, he even said that they have harmed people even to the point of death, they're making all of these outlandish statements about these non-human intelligences. And I asked him, I said to this guy that I met, I said, uh, so if you're telling me we could make commercials with artificial intelligence, with fake actors, fake automobiles, and fake geography all in the background, no green screen, by the way, not, it's a different technology, 
He says it's cheaper, it's quicker, it's sellable. And I said, do you think, because there's no evidence that was brought forth to the, to the U.S. Senate, except behind closed doors, we'll talk about it. I said, do you think artificial intelligence could perhaps come up with evidence that might not be evidence? And he said, yeah, totally. And I'm, my wheels were turning like, interesting, interesting. <coughs> but people will do anything to lower their anxiety for fear of the future. And when people settle for something less than Jesus, they will turn to anything to alleviate anxiety of not knowing the future, um, <laughs> including Christian Ouija boards. You know, they say marijuana is the, the gateway drug um, to more harder drugs. They say, like, Bigfoot and Sasquatches are the gateway drug to, you know, aliens and stuff like that. But they also say Ouija boards are the gateway to um, opening yourself up to demonic stuff. And I would never suggest doing a Ouija board, ever. They are satanic. And you are asking for... But to think that they're selling on a mass-produced level Christian Ouija boards means to tell me, Christian, are you that pathetic that you will settle for something less than God and turn to lesser gods that are demons to get your information? because you're so curious about what will happen in the future that you won't turn to the God of the future? That is what an insult that is. A Christian Ouija board, it sounds like an oxymoron or a paradox. Go to the next slide. But the, the working definition of the occult is, goes something like this. The occult is a body of science or, or gnosis or knowledge or Sophia, which is a goddess, by the way, of wisdom which is not widely known to the general population. That's the exoteric, esoteric nature. The exoteric is external, esoteric is internal. Consisting of hidden knowledge about the workings of the human psyche, that's the word soul, suki in Greek, and the laws of nature, both seen, physical laws, and unseen, spiritual laws, metaphysical, metaphysical. And so people, I think, are going to get more metaphysical and uh, spiritual in these last days rather than more agnostic and atheistic. The devil's not an atheist. But let's look at some mental health facts, if you will. Anxiety, knowing the future, stressing out. 22.8% of U.S. adults experience mental illness in 2021. It's a huge rise since uh, COVID, uh, lockdowns, isolation. So this represents one in five adults. 5.5% of U.S. adults experienced serious mental illness in 2021. That's 14.1 million people of the U.S. population. This is only for the United States. Um, I'm sure if we were to include Austria, these numbers would be way, way higher. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's the birthplace of Sigmund Freud, by the way, right? Austria, yeah. Maybe, the, maybe it's a lot lower. I don't know. <laughs> um, 7.6% of U.S. adults experience a co-occurring su uh, substance use disorder and mental illness in 2021, 19.4 million people. One in six, the youth aged 16 to 17, experience a mental health disorder each year. 50% of all lifetime mental illness begins by age 14, and 75% by age 24. That's interesting. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among 
people ages 10 to 14. Even my kids know of friends that have taken their own lives, which is very alarming and very disturbing and very sad. Where does this come from? Well, in John 10, Jesus says the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. That's not the voice of God. That's not the will of God, obviously. That's the, that's the contrary voice. That's the antithesis of the life-giving, love-giving voice of God to take your own life, to feel so hopeless and so, so much in despair that the only outcome that your life would be better if you took it, that's just a lie from the pit of hell. And so I feel very, very, very bad for people uh, that get to that place in life. But a lot of this anxiety comes from, I'm so scared. I'm so afraid of the future. It's so unknown. So go to the next slide. So the future is uncertain, but God is certain. God is certain. Nebuchadnezzar, like all before him and after him, they wanted to know the future. He was so scared and anxious of his future that he was having night frights and losing sleep. In fact, one translation calls it insomnia. Look on the screen in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 1. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had many dreams. His mind was disturbed and he suffered from insomnia. The king issued an order to summon the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, the fortune tellers, and the wizards. All on his payroll, by the way. They did this to try to interpret dreams and to learn what would happen in the future. The king wanted them to tell him what he had dreamed. I'm not saying take a chill pill, Nebi. <laughs> but he could have learned something from the wisest king who had ever lived. King Solomon. King Solomon's approach, I mean... This dude was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. He was wine, women, and song. And he, got, he went through some stuff, but he kind of like, at the end, you can kind of see him settling down and returning back to his wisdom. And though it might be kind of, um, uh, I, no, I'm not going to live it. I'll just, I'll just let you determine what, what you think. And of course, this is given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit and preserved thousands of years ago so we could glean from it today. In Ecclesiastes 1.9, songs are written off of this. Your whole, your whole world construct should be framed from this verse in, the, in how you look at things. And look at verse one, chapter 1 and verse 9. All things continue the, the way they have been since the beginning. The same things will be done that have always been done before. There is nothing new in this life. Someone might say, look, this is new, but that thing has always been here. It was here before we were here. People don't remember what happened long ago. In the future, they will not remember what is happening now. And later, other people will not remember what the people before them did. And I think that's interesting. There's nothing new under the sun. The things that have happened will happen again. Even Jesus said, when I return, it will be like the days of Noah. Well, that indicates to us what was going on in the days of Noah. And I'll just put a, a, a comma there and revisit that later, some other day. Ecclesiastes 7.14. When life is good, enjoy it. But when life is hard, remember that God gives us good times and hard times. No one knows what will happen in the future. He's trying to kind of alleviate your anxiety. Like, hey, look, take some of my wisdom. Chill out a little bit. No one knows the future. 
Ecclesiastes 9.1. I thought about all this very carefully. I saw that God controls what happens to the good and wise people and what they do. People don't know if they will be loved or hated. And they don't know what will happen in the future. You know, since the advent of social media, the like, anxiety, depression, and suicide has increased. You, you, like, ask social media if you'll be loved and hated. They'll tell you. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 10.14, fools are always talking about what they will do. But you never know what will happen. People cannot tell what will happen in the future. Ecclesiastes 10.14. I love this verse. We're going through the Proverbs as a family. We're calling it Pafford's, Pafford Proverbs Project or something for this last month. And we're coming up to our last day, which will be tomorrow. Uh, but each person reads the chapter for the day. Today it was chapter 30, and everyone chimes in. But I remember this one I picked uh, when it was the 27th, a few days ago. Look at Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 1. Never brag about what you will do in the future. You have no idea what tomorrow will bring. Kind of the same idea that Jesus gave. Of course, on the bottom of an In-N-Out Burger cup, they put this one often. Proverbs verse, chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. You don't know what the future will hold, but you know who holds the future, who's in the future. Only God knows the future. So Daniel chapter 2, verse 26, the king said to Daniel, who's also Belteshazzar, can you tell me what I've dreamed and what it means? And Daniel replied, your majesty, there is no wizard, magician, fortune teller, or astrologer who can tell you that, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has informed your majesty what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you the dream, the vision you have while you were asleep. Go to this next one. Because Joseph had a similar encounter with also a man that was the, probably the, the world-dominant leader at that time. So Pharaoh had dreams, and Joseph, in the morning, he was worried. Kind of the same thing. So the, so the Pharaoh, the mightiest man at that time over uh, the empire of Egypt, who also had false gods, um, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt kind of trained in the same school of mystery sciences and, and mystery uh, arts. Um, and he told them his dreams, but no one could explain to them. Joseph answered, said, he has a similar response as Daniel. I can't do this. I cannot. But God can explain the dream for you, Pharaoh. This is the thing which God has spoken to Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he shows to Pharaoh. So very interesting. But Pharaoh was stressed out. He had, he had anxiety and he wanted to know the future. I just want to take a little side jaunt a little bit. Go to the next slide. You ever think what it would take to build a pyramid? You ever think about that? If we were to build a pyramid, I think it was in the 70s they tried to do that. A, a, a Japanese company tried to do it after blowing a lot of hydraulic, uh, and they were going to use modern technology to do it. I mean, their equipment broke down, their, their more large land-moving things would fall over, uh, they would break, they would collapse. Uh, they never finished the project. But let's just kind of look at what it would take to build a pyramid, for example. Go to the next slide. So the, the pyramids, if you were to go there, they're 4,500 years old. 
supposedly, might even be older. They used what they called cyclopean masonry to build it. It's interesting, cyclopean? Okay, whatever. Cyclops are kind of like left to mythological creatures and giants, and they had one eye, of course, and uh, the Greeks riffed off that, but other cultures had sort of them in their pantheon of these anomalous type creatures. So essentially it means that fitting stones together so neatly that there is no need for any gluing substance to hold them together. And a lot of these ancient megalithic sites, you can't even slide a piece of paper between the stones that are put together. And we're talking about stones. Some of the stones um, would be, uh, if you were to cut this building in half and put one on this side, uh, they would be that large and solid, not put together. Just let that sink for a little bit. And they built things out of this. So there's, in the Great Pyramid, there's 2.25 million blocks. And each block weighs between one to 15 tons each. How much is a ton? Does anyone know? How much? So one, one of the small stones is 2,000 pounds. A 15 ton, 15 times 2, 30,000 pounds, right? 30,000 pounds. If you were to pour this as just concrete and not like cut these stones, and by the way, Where's the quarry? I'm not making an inquiry about the quarry, but I kind of am. Where, where's the rock quarry where they're getting this? And, and like, are, what, are these are the Hebrews that were like, we're pulling 30,000 tons and we got little rolling sticks and it's, there's 100 miles away, but we... They said, go to the next slide, that if you were to do this, you would have to uh, offload a truck, the time frame that people give it, of these megaton blocks and fit it and hoist it up one every two minutes you would have to have that completed it's in, it's it's like think about that three between let's just say fifteen thousand fifteen thousand pound block cut brought from the quarry brought there placed two minutes later cut brought poop 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 King Tut rules. <laughs> so 12 lines, five faces, four triangles, one base, five vertices. Okay, I'm not going to go on and on and read this, but you could just see the impressive magnitude, and this is one of many. Do you know in China they even have more impressive pyramids than they do in Egypt? They're all over the world, people. All over the world. They're talking about one in Alaska that they've just discovered as well. Some under the sea. Pyramids all over. And they all share the same architecture. They all share the same story. They all have the same, like, um, what is it, astrological alignments to them. And the, the symmetry, if you were to look around the base of it, how square it is, it is to the nano-inch accuracy. Phenomenal, phenomenal. So, when, when Joseph goes to Pharaoh and says, and they've got these things, he's like, I, don't, I, don't, I can't tell you dreams, but I know the God who does. So, 
God has always desired for us as his creation to have a relationship with the uncreated God. When we turn from the creator and settle for something less than God, we end up worshiping the creation, including fallen angels and demons. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, and this was the verse I was telling you that you'll need your Bible. It's not going to be on the screen. The reference will be on the screen. It's in Romans chapter 1. If you could find your way to Romans chapter 1, I want you to check in with verse 17. Romans chapter 1. I'll be, actually, I'm going to back up to verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. For as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the unrighteousness and suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or give to him thanks. But they became foolish and futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God just gave them up in the rest of their hearts to impurity, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature or the creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So that's exactly what was going on in the going-ons of Babylon and in Egypt up until this day. So God knows if we don't by faith stand with him or for him, we will fall for anything. For example, Balaam, he did. Look at this next verse. Joshua 13, 22. The Israelites defeated Balaam, the son of Baal. Balaam tried to use magic to tell the future, but it ended up becoming his ruin. Look at Saul did. In 1 Samuel chapter 28. Then Saul said to his servant, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium or a necromancer. And he's the one that put the edict that that, that should be forbidden based on the law. That I might go unto her and inquire of her. And he and his servant said to him, Behold, there is a medium at Endor. That night Saul put on different clothes. He disguised himself so that no one would know who he is. Hypocrite. <laughs> then Saul and two of his men went into this woman, this witch, and said unto her, I want to bring up a ghost who could tell me what will happen in the future. And remember, he was so, like, you might diagnose him today where, you know, he, uh, you could use a lot of different diagnoses for Saul. But it wasn't, it's like he had this evil spirit on him. And he, he was only calmed down when David would play music. And he's turned so far from God that now he's turning to necromancers because he's so anxious about the future. He's willing to compromise all of this for the future. Don't go to God, Saul. Go to a witch. Go to a necromancer. Go to the occult. And that's what he does. Um, and then God, wanted, God warned Israel not to turn from him to the occult or to turn to lesser gods 
as they often did. Go to the next verse. You must not eat any meat with blood still in it. You ever heard of that phrase, bloodthirsty? Think about bloodthirsty for a little bit. The word, the, the, the description bloodthirsty, it doesn't mean like, oh, I play so many first-person shooter games that I just, it's so gory and I just love to kill people and the blood's everywhere. Oh, you're just bloodthirsty. No, like, talk about like Gatorade is thirst aid for that deep down body thirst. The Nephilim were described as bloodthirsty. They would drink the blood of people. And God put in his law, he said, look, you're going to be separate from blood. Also, you must not try to use different kinds of magic to tell the future. So God was going on record in the law not to, not to turn to magic to determine the future. Go to the next slide. Deuteronomy 18 puts it, uh, puts it this way. <laughs> you recognize that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't sacrifice your sons or daughters in the fires um, on the altars. Don't try to learn what will happen in the future by talking to a fortune teller or by going to a magician or a witch or a sorcerer. You will force the other nations out of your land. They will listen to people who use magic and try to tell the future, but the Lord your God will, will not let you do these things. As tempting as they are, and like there are some results. Look, demons know, they know a lot more than you and I know, so anything they say is going to seem more intelligent than what we have going on. You know, a lot of the technology, by the way, that we have is, they, a lot of people call it like fallen angel technology. Uh, you know, so people that risk some very, that go down a supernatural path, maybe it's through the use of drugs, maybe it's through the use of like uh, seances and secret arts, and uh, maybe there's a lot of blood involved. And why is it on the, on the higher levels in the elites, there's usually an attachment to the occult, and there's usually something else. Because there's benefits, there's trade-offs, there, there are deals with devils, and there are benefits to it. So God tells you these things, not because it doesn't work, but because it does work. Stay away from it, because it does work. But they don't know the future. That's exclusive to God. But they know a lot more than you and I do, and that's why it's tempting. They know a lot more than you and I do. Of course they know about your great-great-grandfather. Of course they do. Of course they know about the secret stuff that was done behind closed doors about your aunt and your uncle and your grandpa. Of course they do. They're called watchers. They've been watching you forever. They know your family tree. They know it. So these mediums, these go-betweens, between the unseen realm and the seen, they've sold out and they're going to channel from there to here. They're kind of like the conduit. They're like your router, you know. <laughs> they're going to give you the they're going to give you the Wi-Fi because they're connected to the demons. Be connected to God. So going on, uh, I want you to see this. So God warned them all the time. Isaiah, we're going to cruise through these verses. There's a lot of them here. I want you to see this though. This is a reoccurring thing. Isaiah three three. He will take away the army officers and important officials. He will take away the skilled counselors and the magicians and those who try to tell the future. Isaiah 19.3 The Egyptians were, uh, will be afraid and confused. They will ask false gods and wise men what they shall do. 
They will ask their wizards and magicians, but I will ruin their plans. Isaiah 44, 25. False prophets tell lies, but the Lord shows that their lies are false. He makes fools of those who do magic. He confuses even the wise. They think they know a lot, but he makes them look foolish. Zechariah 10, 2. People use their little statues. I, like, I kind of love the like, cynical nature of the, of the prophets. It's so funny to me. People use their little statues and their magic to learn what will happen in the future, but it's useless. They see visions and tell about their dreams, but it is nothing but worthless lies. I don't know if you remember, a few months ago, I was riffing off of, um, um, uh, um, what are they called? Ventriloquists, which originally are called gastromythos, or belly prophets, or king whispers. This is very interesting. You think someone that has a dummy and they're, they're thrown their belly, they throw their voice, and you think that's, what is this, Bill Dunham? Or whoever? This is nothing new. It was done in ancient Greece. It was done so, and they said most of them were adepts, meaning they were skilled in black arts. So this, this gastro, which is like gastrointestine, your stomach, mythos is the Greek word for word, so it's a belly word, but they're saying words, and they would, they would they'd throw their voice, and the, and the kings were so deceived, but these were false prophets, and they would tell the kings lies. They were called king whispers or belly prophets because they had this ability to throw their voice, and people were so taken back by these gastromythos or ventriloquists, as we call them in the modern days, but there's nothing new under the sun, as we just read. I'm not saying Bill is a, is a gastromythos, a culting practice dude. I don't know if he is or not. It seems like he's more on the entertainment level, but that goes pretty far back. And you're going to understand this when I turn to Isaiah 47, 12. You worked hard all your life learning magic and spells. Think of the word spell, if you will, for a second. The word spell. The root word of spelling communication and words. When you do a, when you cast a spell, you use words. A spell is synonymous with words. An incantation or an invocation, a spell, you're using words. Could it be with words that a whole culture or civilization could be put under a spell? Think about it. There could be narratives formulated by people much smarter than us and words said in a certain way and cast in such a way and projected in such a way that the people are just kind of, they believe this, these words. This, they believe the spellings. They believe it. Be on guard, Christian. Be on guard. So God is mocking uh, these people that practice witchcraft and spells because he is the word that, that made everything. So start to using magic. Maybe those spells will help you in, in verse uh, 12 of Isaiah 47. Uh, maybe you will be able to frighten someone. You have many advisors. Are you tired of the advice they give? They send out your men who read the stars. They can tell when the mouth starts. So maybe they can tell you when your troubles will come. He's being sarcastic. But they cannot even save themselves. They will burn like straw. They will burn so fast that there will be no coals left to cook bread. 
there will be no fire left to sit by. Jeremiah 27, 9. So don't listen to your prophets. Don't listen to those who use magic and tell what will happen in the future. Don't listen to those who say they can interpret dreams. Don't listen to those who talk to the dead or to people who practice magic. All of them tell you, you will not be slaves to the king of Babylon. Isaiah 41, verse 22. Let your idols come in and tell us what will happen. Idols, tell us what will happen in the beginning. We will listen closely so that you could uh, make a decision. Tell us what will happen in the future. What signs did you give uh, in the past to prove that you really are gods? Do something. Do anything, good or bad, so we can see that you are alive. Then we might fear and respect you. It's kind of my position on this whole alien thing. Okay, cool. The government thinks there's aliens. Non-human intelligence. Okay, cool. Let's see them. Let's see if they could do good or evil or speak. I need to be careful because of the millions, by the way, of, of abduction reports, millions, by the way, people saying they've been abducted. I've never met someone that had... No, I did one time. And this was like I was 18 or 19. As I was driving my bus, he had to pull me over, it was so, and he thought I was something that I wasn't. I'm like, I'm not following the Grateful Dead, I'm just something completely different. Anyways, he told me, and he showed me a, a landing site, and I didn't believe him then, I don't believe him now. But there's millions of people that have said that they've been abducted and had these... But you know, this, I find this interesting. Of all the abduction stories, the people that said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, end of, end of abduction. What does that tell you? Is that like a grit? Is that a little green person that's afraid of Jesus? Interesting. And the reports of the people that have been abducted, the messages that they heard when they recall, because a lot of times they can't remember, right? They just can't remember, you know, because I don't know what they call that um, state of mind where it's kind of erased. But the stuff that they do remember, they remember that the name of God being blasphemed. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not, not any other religion, but Jesus and God are the only enemies of the aliens. That is so interesting. What have the aliens got against God? <laughs> so, I don't think they're off-planet. I think they're demons trying to trick people. They may use artificial intelligence. They may even have cloned gray. You know, you heard of the grays? They may even make their own avatars in connection with the U.S. government. Hey, we'll give you trade secrets. We will give you exotic materials from off-planet because we could go there and you can't. We'll give you intelligent stuff. We'll give you information. Um, Tesla, not the car, and not Elon Musk, maybe, but the actual Tesla. We'll get in exchange... Just make a deal, like it was in the days of Noah. Hey, give us your daughters, and we'll give you, we'll give you intelligence. We'll give you fallen angel technology. That's why you can't explain the pyramids in the megaliths. That's why. You make deals with men. There's rules of engagement, just like when you go into a haunted house. They can't do, they can't, they scare you, they can't do certain things. But when you're going to make a deal with the devil... When you, make, when you enter into that contract, that's why God says, be careful when you make an oath. Be careful when you make an oath. And God says, let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. 
but be careful when you make a pact, especially with blood. Because we're in a blood covenant already. It's the New Testament. But be careful with the occult and these fallen angels and these demons. There's benefits, and they might give you technology that will advance your greed through money, lust, power, all the things that the love of the world has to offer. It says the love of the Father will not be in you. Um, next slide. Ezekiel 13.9. I will punish those prophets whose visions are false and who lie about the future. Oh, I'm, I was saying these, they, they might have made these bodies so that the, they could inhabit them like an avatar. So they might be doing that in the physical sense because they can't do it in the, in the spiritual sense. They, have, they need a body. An oikotarian, if you will. And they made them. Ezekiel 22:28. The prophets don't warn the people. They cover up the truth. They're like workers that don't really repair a wall. They only put plaster over the holes. They only see lies. They do their magic to learn the future, but they only tell lies. Last one on this subject. There's many more in the Bible, but the last one that I have available. Isaiah 44, 7. There is no other God like me. If there is, that God should speak now. Let him lay out everything he has done since the time I made these ancient people. Let him show me the signs he gave long ago that prove that he knew what would happen in the future. God goes toe-to-toe with fallen angels, with gods, with demons. He's like, okay. Because God's not insecure. He has all power. Mind you, he created everything. He's the uncreated one. And the angels, with free will, some rebelled, they still are accountable to their creator. And so the creator, kind of in a cynical, funny way, that's why I love, I love it in Isaiah 40 and on. It's just God just gets funny to me, because he's like, okay, okay. Let's see what you could do. He has all power. And these little deceived beings that have lesser God, demigod power, they're getting, they get like that, that lust, what is that? when you have this, you know, like you just won the lottery and you think you're like something. You know, they, they're deceiving themselves as, as if there's something when they're nothing. So God puts them on record. Okay, let's see. Let's see if you know the future. He knows their future. In fact, the demons are so scared when Jesus shows up, he's like, is it our time yet? Is our time yet? Because they don't know, but they know that their future is winding down. So to close this whole session today, go to the next slide. Our future is with the God of the future. And I want to end with encouraging you. Because I know the occult stuff doesn't really encourage you, or maybe it does. I don't know. Amos 4.13. Famous Amos 4.13. He says, God is the one who made the mountains. He created the wind. He lets people know his thoughts, those, especially those that have his Holy Spirit. Because we have the mind of Christ. He's given, he's downloaded that to us like, like the matrix. He changes the darkness into dawn. He walks over the mountains of the earth. His name is Yahweh. Lord God, all-powerful or almighty. Jeremiah 29, 11. I, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not evil. To give you a future and a hope. Amen. Look at this one, Jeremiah 31, 17. There is a hope for your future, declares the Lord. And I don't know if you remember, but when we were going through the book of John, Jesus says a few times, I'm telling you before it comes to pass, so that when it comes to pass, you might believe that I am. 
And he uses the word I am in the same sense that God did in the burning bush to Moses. It's the self-existent one. The I am. The, the God title. Mark chapter 14 and verse 62 on the screen. Jesus answered and said, Yes, I am the Son of God. And in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right side of God all-powerful, and you will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. Jesus is telling us beforehand, and he knows that this is going to happen. And Christian, we have a heavenly home with God and each other in the future. We don't know it yet, but we know God, the God of the future has told us. Look at this next thought in, in Hebrews chapter 13. Here we have no lasting city, on earth we don't have a city that lasts forever, but we are waiting for the city that, we'll, that we will have in the future. In the future, because we're connected to the God of the future. Lesser gods, fallen angels, demons don't know the future. They're smarter than you. They could predict a lot better than you. They have a little bit more accuracy than you do because they, they have more information than you do. And they never sleep and they never tire. And they're super intelligences. But we have the God of the future, and he's telling us, you have a home with him forever. So what have we got to fear? What's with your anxiety, Christian? <laughs> like, easier said than done. I know we all struggle with anxiety. I know. Look at just a couple quotes, and then we'll be done. Fear is just faith that forgot to pray. That's an easy one to remember, huh? Fear is just faith that forgot to pray. Like praying repetitionally, praying some magic words. Is it a formula? Nope. It's talking to God. God, I'm afraid. Telling God your heart. God, I, I don't know what, what tomorrow's going to hold. I, I know you're with me. I know you're in me. God, this is scary. I, are we going to get hit by nukes? I mean, Seal Beach is like a, a, you know, a, a flipping weapons depot. We're definitely going to... I'm like, I want to be the first one if the nukes come in. I just want to, I don't want to like, I used to think I wanted to AK-47 my way through all the apocalypse and stuff. But now I'm like, I just want to be the first one with my family. Come on, guys, let's have a nuclear bomb party. And it just like, just get in the eye of the mushroom. Let's go do shrooms. The mushroom of the nuclear bomb that's going to hit us. No doubt. Like if we're... <laughs> um, Mads, mutually assured destruction. I don't think God will allow that to happen, to be honest with you, because the whole world would go down. Jesus is in control of, like, he lets that stuff go out through the book of Revelation, which we've studied, in increments of seven, and he does it out, and then he sends a repent. He gives people space. Repent. Repent. Because he wants people to know him. He doesn't want to destroy people. Think not that the Son of Man came to destroy men's lives, nay, rather to save them, Jesus said. Here's this next quote. And I want you to really think about this. Young people, I want you to pay attention to this next quote. When you stop thinking about your destination and focus on your destiny, your enemies will fear you and your loved ones will fear for you. It's a thinker. You really want your kid to go off to New York? No. You know, it's scary, right? Does, 
does the unseen world, demons, there's a, there's a third of them and two-thirds of good ones, do they want you to understand your destiny and to really go for it? Or would they rather have you on the bench? And just kind of like always introspective and always pondering, like, am I good enough? I don't know. It's just, you know, that, that like, that holding tank or you're just on the bench and you are good enough. You are qualified. You have all resources. You have all power. You have everything gifted to you in Jesus. But they would love for you not to know your destiny. But when you do, they will fear you. And your loved ones are fear for you because they know. Like if you engage in battle and you really go for your destiny and you step out in faith and you go for it with God in your life, that's a scary thing. But it's a good scary. You know who else fears our destiny and future? And this is wrapping it all up, I promise. The demons, the fallen angels who are tireless in their work to discourage you and to destroy you. Look at Jude, for example. So Jude quotes the prophet Enoch, and he says the prophet Enoch, who was the seventh after Adam, said of these men, the Lord came, the Lord came with, or comes with ten, tens of thousands of his saints, that's us, to be judged of all. So we are the ones coming with Jesus to judge the world. Paul makes this clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Or do you not know? <laughs> he says that a lot. Or do you not know that the saints, that's us, the Christians will judge the world? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? That's why, that's why I'm saying the angels will fear you. We were made a little lower than the angels, but only temporarily. When we're exalted because Jesus conquered death, and we're in Jesus, and he's the King of kings, the God of gods, and the Lord of lords, and we're going to sit at the right hand of Jesus, the demons fear you. But you just don't know it, because we're, we're just, we're like little sheep that we're afraid. We don't know our authority, we don't know our power, we don't know our identity, therefore we don't fulfill our destiny with our activity. But this is true. Or you Go to the next slide. Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than the matters pertaining to this life? So in wrapping this whole thing up, last slide, it's after the slide that says conclusion. Back to where we started. Daniel, King, as you were lying there on your bed, you began thinking about what might happen in the future. God can tell people about secret things. He has shown you what will happen in the future. So Nebuchadnezzar was a fearful, fretful king who didn't know the God who knows the thoughts, the dreams, and the future of everyone. Our future is with God who lives in the past and in the present and in the future. It's exclusive to him. I know it's easy just to say, like, trust in God and walk by faith and God's got it, yo, like my wife says. And I love that quote. Easier said than done, right? It's, really, it's, it's challenging to not have fear, to not have anxiety, and to not go through this life, you know, just kind of fretful about the future. I, hopefully today you've seen mountains of evidence. No one knows the future except God. 
and you know God and God knows you, and all he asks of you is faith, are you going to trust him with your future, even though you can't see it? That is why God gave us himself and our hearts and a home called the church so that we could encourage one another. And in the, in the wise words of Solomon, to wrap around back to him, it's not on the screen, it's just in my notes. Ecclesiastes 3.22, if you're taking notes. So I saw that the best thing people can do is to enjoy what they do, because that is all they have. Besides, no one could help another person see what will happen in the future. <laughs> he seems kind of pessimistic, but I love it. He's like, chill out, man. Just chill out. No one knows the future. Take, mucho take it easy, okay? All right, let's stand and be dismissed in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you. You've given us a new past, and you've given us a new future. Our sins are not only forgiven, they're totally forgotten. And we have a home promised, not here, but there with you. And you've, got, you've said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. I've gone to prepare a place for you. And if I've gone to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And thank you, Lord, that we need not be afraid. The devils and the demons and the fallen angels should be afraid of us. We shouldn't be afraid of them, but help us not to be stupid about it either. I thank you, Jesus, that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world and that you're never going to leave us nor forsake us. Help us to be bold in our identity for Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. All right, go be the church.